You're listening to our series on Ephesians. We hope this series will inspire and encourage you. For more information, other resources and media, please visit citychurchleads.net. Yeah? Listen, that's great. Um, I know that over the last however many weeks, uh, Mark himself has diligently been working through these uh, the series on Ephesians, and I want to just to, just to appreciate the fact of what he's invested in order that he should be able to come and share with us in these times. So, mate, we're looking forward to what you've got to share with us this afternoon. God bless you. Good afternoon, everybody. For those of you who um, are puzzled, my name is Mark. And uh, I'm part of the leadership team here. Thank you. <laughs> so we finally said his name. I know who he is. Brilliant. Okay, let's just quickly crack on through this, because I, I think it's really important to, um, to get through this, but to get through it really, really well and not try and rush through it. So let's get on. So Ephesians 6. Please open your Bibles to Ephesians 6. Uh, as every week I have been doing, I'm going to read the whole of that chapter because they're not too long, but they say such wonderful things. And I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. Children, obey your parents as in the Lord, as his representatives, for this is just and right. Honor, esteem, and value as precious your, mo- uh, your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that all may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not irritate or provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and counsel and admonition of the Lord. Servants, slaves, be obedient to those who are your physical masters, having respect for them and eager concern to please them. In singleness of motive and with all your heart as service to Christ himself not in the way of eye service, as if they were watching you and only to please men, but as servants, slaves of Christ, doing the will of God heartily and with your own soul, rendering service readily with goodwill as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive his reward from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. You masters, Act on the same principle toward them and give up threatening and using violent and abusive words, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no respect of persons, no partiality with him. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him, strength that that is boundless that he provides. Put on God's whole armour, the armour of a heavy-armed soldier which God supplies, that you may able successfully to stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. Therefore, put on God's complete armor 
that you may able to be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger and having done all the crisis demands to stand firmly in your place therefore stand therefore hold your ground having tightened the belt of truth around your loins and having put on the breastplate of integrity of moral rectitude and right standing with god and having shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy with the firm-footed stability the promptness and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace lift up overall the covering shield of saving faith upon which you can quench all the flaming missiles of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword that the spirit wields which is the word of god pray at all times on every occasion in every season in the spirit with all manner of prayer and entreaty to that end keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance interceding in behalf of all the saints god's consecrated people and pray also for me that freedom of utterance may be given me that i may open my mouth to proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news the gospel for which i am an ambassador in a coupling chain in prison pray that i may declare it boldly and courageously as i ought to do now that now that you may know how i am and what i am doing tychicus the beloved brother and faithful minister in the lord and his service will tell you everything i have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may console and cheer and encourage and strengthen your hearts peace be to the brethren and love joined with faith from god the father and the lord jesus christ the messiah the anointed one grace god's undeserved favor be with all who love our lord jesus christ with undying and incorruptible love amen so let it be i'm going to begin by discussing the reality of the devil we're often told and quite rightly to not pay him any heed and for him and his kind not to be the focus of our attention but this doesn't take away the reality of his existence and this certainly doesn't take away from what scripture and from what Jesus has to say about him what i'd like us to do just for a few moments is to think about what jesus said and did to the devil and i'd like us to remember that if jesus said and did these things then the reality of the devil's existence is going to in some way whether large or small impact our lives in fact let's just think about the world in which we live the injustices we see the appalling practices of the human race this is a fallen world formed from the lies of a demon so then what did jesus say of the devil he was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth for there is no truth in him when he lies he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies that's from john 8 verse 44 when jesus came declaring 
I am the truth. His powerful ministry precipitated a violent outburst of demonic activity. And part of his ministry was going into the devil's territory to reclaim it. He declared, the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me. He commissioned his disciples to drive out the devil. Probably the most significant thing that we see about his ministry was not the miracles, but the authority he took over the devil, casting out demons. And it's in this reality of what Jesus faced, and in the reality of what we face today, that we can begin to explore Ephesians 6, and what it says that we, every single one of you who believe, are capable of because of Jesus. In chapter 4 of Ephesians verse 27, it says this in the New King James, nor give place to the devil. The word place in this verse in Greek is topos, which gives us the word topography, this being a territory, a region and ground. The enemy's strategy is to take ground and territory from us. He wants to exploit our weaknesses, catching us off guard and robbing us of our rightful inheritance. Paul says, the writer of Ephesians, don't surrender. Don't give ground to him. He returns to this theme in the chapter that we've just read, Ephesians 6, and says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So the question is, how are we to be strong in his mighty power? He goes on to tell us, by putting on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And this is the key verse. And I want you to just note down. It's verse 11. Paul is exhorting us once again not to be pushed around or intimidated by the enemy. Stand. And having done all, continue to stand. Stand against evil. Stand for what is right. To be able to stand effectively against all that the devil can throw at us, we must put on, what must be put on? The whole armor of God. And we need to realize this from the very start as well, that this armor isn't something to hide behind, but as protection to march forward without fear to reclaim territory. Yet, yeah, we're going to be attacked as we advance. We are being attacked. We are advancing. But if we put on every piece of armor and make sure every piece of armor is in its correct place, nothing can stop us, nothing can defeat us. So I'm just going to simply, right now, I'm going to go through these bits of armor that it mentions 
in Ephesians 6. So let's start with this. Let's start with the belt of truth. The belt of truth is to protect us against the devil's lies and deception. The devil's primary weapon is to lie. He used this way back in the garden with Adam and Eve to great advantage and with devastating results. And he's been using it ever since as a major strategical weapon. We have the belt of truth. The belt of truth can be seen to help put all the others into place. We've got the breastplate of righteousness. This is to protect against the devil's accusations and taunts. We are in right standing with God through the redemptive, atoning work of Christ on the cross. And this alone makes us amazingly and mysteriously worthy. Satan hates to be reminded of his defeat on the cross. So imagine, if you will, you're wearing a breastplate with a roaring, victorious lion emblazoned on the front. This enormous piece of kit standing out for all and the devil to see. We've got the shoes of peace. The shoes of peace are protectors against confusion and division. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 33 says this, For God is not a God of disorder, but of... God is not a God of disorder, but of... Peace. He is a God of peace. And we know that the devil will sow confusion wherever he goes, and at every opportunity he gets. If we wear the shoes of peace, we can walk confidently through the confusion. In fact, we can stamp it out. Dodge just dropped into my, into my mind the, the fact that Rob and Kate, moving on in their adventure, moving on to the next phase of their journey, could be a moment where the devil could have spread so many lies, could have caused so much confusion could have ripped brothers and sisters apart. But what we've done today, we've walked in those shoes of peace. We've acknowledged what God has got for them in their next step, and we're sending them out with our blessing. Thank you, Jesus. What else have we got? We've got the shield of faith, and this is to protect us against discouragement and fear. The devil might hurl his best flaming arrows right at us. But with a shield of faith in position, we have a guard to protect us with no possibility of penetration, harm, or hurt. Which brings us on to the helmet of salvation. And the helmet of salvation will protect us against doubt and unbelief. The assurance of salvation should bring confidence that he who began a good work in you will carry it through to completion and that he is the author and finisher of our faith. Have a look at Philippians 1 verse 6 and Hebrews 12 verse 2. And finally, the only part of the armor or the, the kit which is the offensive one 
It's the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. This is the only weapon, like I said, that is listed for offensive attack. It's quick. It's powerful. It says that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. How can you get any sharper than a two-edged sword? Two-edged sword is the most powerful, devastating sword there is. It's simple. It's quick. It's decisive. But his word is even better than this. The Greek word rhema is used here, which signifies the spoken word. A weapon, and this is important, a weapon is only useful if it's actually being used. A sword can only cut through if it's released from its scabbard. So only by speaking the word of God can we use this sword to defeat our enemy. What did Christ do when tempted by the devil? He spoke and he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Have a look in Matthew 4, verses 7 to 10. When we, every week we've read the Word of God, we've read Ephesians. Hopefully you'll have read it at home and you'll have followed it through. And I wholeheartedly believe that every time you open your mouth and you start to speak the Word of God, things happen, things shift, changes start to occur. I wholeheartedly believe that. And your life will be empty. And I'm going to just look at as many as I can in here right now. That if you do not regularly read the Word of God, you are missing out. But not only are you missing out, you're not helping advance His kingdom. Because you're not changing things in the heavenlies. You're not speaking back to Him His Word, His Word of truth. It's so important that you read the Word regularly and with sincerity. I was with Joel, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, on Thursday we meet every week, and Joel, Joel confessed to me, <laughs> Joel confessed to me, he said, you know what Mark, I'm reading the Word now and I'm not just reading it. He says, I'm excited to read the Word. Is that the best place to be? <laughs> to be excited about reading the Word of God. Thanks Joel. So if we have all this stuff at hand, if, if we can pick this armor up, if we can wear it, and if we can click it into place, then guess what? It's time to start marching, folks. It's time to move out of our comfort zone and move into the combat zone. Out of our seats and into the trenches. I'm going to try and remember something which I saw in a video. Anybody heard of Francis Chan? If you haven't, go look him up. Go look him up on YouTube. Amazing fella, amazing speaker. But he said, he said this thing, this, this story of when he, he said to his daughter, daughter, go clean your room. And she, she came back an hour later and said, I've, I've remembered what you said, that I needed to clean my room, and I've memorized it, and, and I feel so good about it. And he said, no, 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 no. Go clean your room. So she went away again for a little while. And she came back. And she said, 
I've really remembered it now, but not only that, I've looked it up in Greek, I've looked it up in Hebrew, I know exactly what each word means, and I've really got to the bottom of what you said to me. And he said, no, 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 go clean your room. It's no good just reading the Word of God. It's no good just finding out the words behind the Word of God. But we've got to obey the Word of God. We've got to stand up, we've got to move, we've got to march, we've got to reclaim territory. And that means physically getting out of our seats and moving forward, moving on. Putting on the armor, knowing that we're protected, and that when we do come up against the enemy, when he does try and tempt us, it is written, it is written, it is written. I'm excited about that, folks. So excited. And I can see one or two of you as you are as well. Hopefully the rest will at some point in the future. <laughs> so how do we kit up? How do we get all this stuff? Prayer, prayer, and pray some more. It's our oxygen supply. It enables us to replenish our spiritual energy levels for that battle. It only takes a couple of victories in battle to become self-sufficient and complacent. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 47, David cries out, The battle is the Lord's. Prayer keeps us in place, keeps us in the place of con constant dependency on Him. Sometimes when we're in battle, we don't know how or what to pray for. And at, this, it's at these times that we've simply got to call upon the Spirit of God to help. After putting on the armor, Paul in verse 18 of this chapter exhorts us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. At this very timely moment, I'd like you to open up your newsletters that you were given when you came in. If you haven't been given one, please get one from the foyer. And on one side of there, there's a thing about Envision. You can ignore that for a moment. What I really want to stress is the 24-hour session of prayer that we've got coming up. Esther Harper. Esther, could you just please stand? Esther, please stand up. Come on, stand up, stand up. There we go. Esther is heading this up together with the other student leaders. Um, Esther wrote the letter, which I've copied into there. I want to encourage you to come to the 24-hour of prayer. I don't want you to all come at 6 o'clock while 7. Let's try and, you know, grab some of those times and some of those things that might be a little bit out of your comfort zone, and let's join in. I am so excited that we've got this opportunity just to, just to praise Him, just to exhort Him, just to put Him first for a whole 24 hours. And I want to see, please, I want to see every single face there at some point in those 24 hours. We've got opportunities. We've got opportunities on a Monday night. Opportunities regularly to come together, even if it's just once a month, folks, to pray. Last Monday, there was just me and Monica there. Two things there. First, where are you? Blunt question. Secondly, I had an amazing time with Monica. It was brilliant. We prayed, we talked, we had a good time together. And we still made a difference in the heavenlies and we still made a difference for this city because we came together and chose to pray together. 
So my, ex- my ex- exhortation to you, please, is come to the 24-hour prayer session and at least once a month come to the regular prayer gatherings because they say so much about our direction. They say so much about what we're building. They say so much about what our next steps are that if you're not there in some way, you miss out on the source from what we're feeding from, what we're drinking from. So at least just once a month is my exhortation to you. Come along. Do some praying together as a family. Okay. I'm going to show you these questions, but we're not going to discuss them because we haven't got time now. But what I'd like you to do is to write them down. Uh, In fact, Pete... Pete will give you um, these sheets, actually, which have the questions on. Please take one, uh, write them down, whatever you can do, uh, and, and discuss them in your life groups. So what does don't give a place to the devil mean? Define what might be a territory. Are some territories more significant than others? List the kind of issues we need to stand up for and stand firm on. What does it mean to be more than a conqueror? And what do you think the Apostle Paul meant when he exhorted us to pray with all kinds of prayer? And finally, six, discuss what it means to put on the armor of God. So copy these down. Take a copy of the the piece of paper if there's any spare. Think about these questions. Work through them. So I'm going to move on to what would have been the second half. I really hope that you've really grasped that we have an inheritance from God. And in terms of today, we recognize He has given us all we need to resist attacks of the devil. And we don't have to live a life in defeat or fear. We need only take advantage of this protection provided. And in fact, This is really important because I said way back when, on the first week of Ephesians, I said Ephesians is a covenantal book. It's a covenantal book. And I want to think back to a talk that John Casey gave. And I want to realize that we have, that this book, this letter, it's it's focused in on covenant relationship. Just listen to this obviously glaring connection that Paul makes while discussing the armor of God. And that he obviously dipped into the Old Testament. It's from Isaiah 59, and I'll read from verse 16. I'll read all of it, even though some of it may seem, well, that's a little bit off track, but just try and absorb this. The Lord looked and was displeased to find there was no justice. He was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So he himself stepped in to save them with his strong arm, and his justice sustained him. He put on righteousness as his body armor and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with the robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. He will repay his enemies for their evil deeds. His fury will fall on his foes. He will pay them back even to the ends of the earth. In the West, people will respect the name of the Lord. In the East, they will glorify him. For he will come like a raging flood tide driven by the breath of the Lord. The Redeemer will come to Jerusalem to buy back those in Israel who have turned from their sins, says the Lord. And this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit will not leave them and neither will these words I have given you. 
They will be on your lips and on the lips of your children and your children's children forever. I, the Lord, have spoken. When John spoke brilliantly, I might add, about the blood covenant, he taught us that when covenants are made, and do you remember he did the, kind of the, 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 the blood across the floor and he got a couple of us to take coats off and to swap coats? And John talks about transference of clothes. And one of these major transfers is the belt. This, this belt that has either weapons or tools of the trade hung, up, hung upon it. So in the passing of this belt and these other items... The two parties that are making a covenant are saying to each other, this is my strength, this is my skill, this is my expertise, this is my experience for you to call upon at any time. And remember the story of Jonathan and, and David, where Jonathan gives, Dave, gives to David his tunic and his belt. And it wasn't just a nice gesture. He wasn't saying, here, have some of my stuff. When you read this in the context of covenant, he's saying, here am I, the heir to the throne. I am giving you my authority, my strength throughout your life, and that of your children and of your children's children to call upon. So when we read about the armor of God, in Ephesians 6, we should absolutely be reminded that what we're talking about isn't just some nice ways to talk about truth and righteousness and prayer. But Paul is saying, look at what you now have access to because of the covenant relationship we have with Father God. Because this is His armor and look at what he has given us in the transfer of this covenantal relationship we have access to we have an inheritance of the very tools and skills of God himself everything he has we now have at our disposal thank you Jesus Thank you guys for listening. That's it. I'm not going to say any more. Thank you. I encourage you, uh, like I say, about the, the prayer times together, but to please go back. Listen to the, the other six weeks, uh, five weeks, <laughs> six, seven weeks, five, what am I talking about? Six or seven weeks, can't remember how many we've done now. Um, go back and listen to them and build up precepts upon precepts upon precept. Learn, develop grow and mature and get excited about the word once again thank you John do you know I was um, I was just reading this morning in another context and um, <clears throat> I felt God emphasize this term warfare and I wasn't reading Ephesians at the time. I wasn't um, thinking about what Mark was preaching on this afternoon. But I felt God just impressed that on me about warfare. And it was something to do with how um, 
Warfare finds you out. Um, when you were sitting in the comfort of your armchair in front of the TV, there's not a lot going on, is there, really? But imagine the heat of the battle. Imagine the challenge. You're fighting for your life. You're fighting for your brother who's next to you. Uh, warfare's a dirty business. But that's where the character gets proven. That's where it gets developed. And I'm saying that God is calling us. And I, I, I really go with what Mark was saying. That we're entering into a realm where the, the stakes, seriously, are high. And I'm, I'm not saying this to be, to be a threat. Because God's made every provision for us. But I do believe we're entering a season when the stakes are high. We'll find ourselves coming under challenge. We'll find ourselves personally and as families coming under challenge <clears throat> I don't want us to be faced Paul he says when you've done everything stand all of that was about you, you've, the ground's already been taken Jesus has actually won the battle the ground you are standing on has got blood all over it and all he says is fight the fight and keep standing on the ground you're on so we're into this season and I believe we're going to encounter warfare. So let's not mistake what's going on. Let's not just get um, airy-fairy about it. Let's understand that actually we are in a battle, but we've been equipped. But God allows us to enter that territory because he's fashioning something in us. And this is my point, really. Um, that God wants us to engage not run away. Mark gave us a bunch of questions to look at. <clears throat> Please, will you do something with these? Will you take these home with you? And would you take time just to look through them? And do it, do it with the Holy Spirit. And by that I mean, sit and read and ask the Lord to highlight whichever of these things is going to be of value uh, in your life. And it may be that what God is, is doing, he's wanting to open up for us areas of territory where he's saying, I'm calling time on stuff that doesn't belong there anymore. He's wanting to shape us. He's wanting to shape us in character so that we become more and more like Jesus and becoming more and more like Jesus means we become the people who are able to carry the weight of presence that he wants to confer upon us to take this gospel to take this gospel of peace this gospel of restoration with God out into a world that so badly badly needs to hear what we've got are you hearing me? Yeah. And this is not just a nice end to a sermon. I, I really believe God is saying, come on, folks. Let's get a grip. But I'll help you. God is so for us in what he's after. <clears throat>